Do not adjust your iPads, your iPods, your transistor radios, your Walkmans, or your rabbit ears, ladies and gentlemen. You have correctly selected Popcorn for Breakfast, your favorite movie review podcast, and we appreciate that honor. Today, we bring our best energy and efforts to review Mean Girls. Let's go! fade out here for a second i got a little treat for you cam oh no get so ready to leave it up no no take it down fade it out here okay 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 fade I'm it so out scared. As it, gradually as it should terrified. his name is your co-host cam and he is a massive deal <laughs> my name is your co-host kirk it's about to get real. Wow. That was great. Thank you. I mean, we just lost our entire viewership, but that was awesome. <laughs> and I, I respect it. You know me. Whenever we review movies, I'm always like, I like bold choices. Yeah. That was a bold choice, Kirk. Thank you. I, I respect it. And it was pitch perfect. Oh, thank you so much. But I do somewhat hate you because that Regina George tune that you were just singing has been stuck in my head for... When did we see this movie? Uh, Thursday. Thursday. And today's Monday. Five days. I think it is the the song in the musical that has the biggest earworm of the entire thing. No, it has to be. It has to be. I don't know why. There's it just is. something about it. It just gets you. She'll get you every time. That that <laughs> Regina George. Um, hello. Let's recap. <laughs> That's your co-host Cam right over there. I'm your co-host Kirk. We're reviewing Mean Girls. Not Mean Girls the musical, as it should probably aptly be called, but yes. just... Mean Girls 2024. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was reading an article in Variety today um, with with some quotes from a Paramount executive because, first of all, Mean Girls did win the box office this weekend, so kudos to Paramount and uh, winning the box office on the holiday weekend. That's a pretty big deal. Um, It was intentional for them to market this not as a a musical, which I was somewhat surprised about, but then as I read the rationale, it made sense to me that... He basically said, like, people treat musicals differently. So yeah. if we outwardly call this a musical versus a remake, our analysis shows it would do poorly. And it's hard to argue with the results because they won the box office. So it's it's hard to say if it would have gone the other way. Um, but I know they also did some exit polling, so, sort of like cinema score polling that Paramount yeah. released. And they said that 75% of people who saw the film knew it was a musical. Okay. See, that's um, big. Which is, it surprised me because in our showing, there were certainly people in there that didn't know and were laughing hysterically at the fact that it was. Yes, I think right before the show started, I think I told you about a TikTok video that I had seen 
in which there were people watching, and when Katie, the our lead protagonist, yes. starts to sing in the movie, people were laughing like, "What again? She's right. singing again?" <laughs> As if the first three songs were like just like a, a fluke, like just they, like yeah, they just throw it in there. Yeah, <laughs> it starts almost immediately with the song. Immediately yeah. with the song. They, maybe they thought it was like you know a goofy movie dream where it's like super out of <laughs> yeah, sorts and different yeah. and avant garde. Yeah, they they were very shocked. They were giggling. Uh, just in disbelief that it was a musical. Yeah. So that 25% is a solid 25% of people not knowing that it was. Yeah, and I, at first I thought it was just me, like, not knowing, like, looking at the promotional material and being like, this doesn't look like a musical per se. Like, mm -hmm. they're not outwardly saying that it's a musical, but no, it turns out it was uh, it was a marketing yeah. strategy. Which they also did. I'm not sure which studio helmed it. Uh, the Color Purple. The musical The yes, Color that's Purple. Yes, right. that's right. Same, Same situation. Um, however, I think that one was more well-known that it was a musical strictly because, like, Fantasia Barino is in it. You know, American Idol winner. Yeah. Season and, four or whatever. And there's been a successful Broadway run of it as a musical too, right? Or is there it, was, yeah, yeah. That's how we got uh, Cynthia Erivo. Yeah. Oh man, mm -hmm. what a what a voice, what a talent. So yeah, I mean, they could have taken that route. You right. Know, this was a Broadway musical that was popular and did very well. Color Purple, same thing. They probably could have advertised the Color Purple as musical and not really taken a hit in any way. Right. Interesting. It's, it's so interesting. baffling. It's it so is. baffling. Whenever, sometimes when we post things on social, I'm like, ah, people know this already. And that will be the post that people say, oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like the movie news, there's not enough of it. So next time and for the rest of forever, I'm just going to post it, assuming yeah. that only one other person, that person being Cam, <laughs> has <laughs> yeah. seen it. Um, and maybe the other person, quick shout out, is one of our top fans, Mr. Kyle Wilson. Hopefully you're listening today. I've got to do this, this quick sneak of you, sir because if you follow our discord channel it's lots of fun uh it just lots of fun it's like stream of thought like you're walking and you're walking into work and you hear something or you think of something you think of a movie and you're like i gotta ask how everyone thinks about this movie i gotta ask what people think about this nomination whatever movie news is on your mind it could be from childhood or whatever discord is the place to be uh we were chatting on there kyle wilson discovered that i did not have a sponsored letterboxd account and of course he said i cannot allow you to continue host co hosting this podcast and not have uh, uh, a more than free membership of Letterboxd, the movie tracking app. Yeah. He gifted it to me overnight. I happened to be deathly ill the night that he gifted <laughs> it to me. So a big thank you. It was a great uh, get well present. And yeah. I will reap the benefits all year long. So thank you, Kyle. What a peach. Shout yeah. out Kyle. That's awesome. Yes. I love it. Well, I think that uh, later on in, in the episode here, Cam, if, if it's okay with you, I'm going to pick a secret word, and every time you say that word, I'm going to have you sing part no. of your explanation of your superlative of the review of this episode. Definitely not. Absolutely not? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, wait, what if we warm up first? La, I, la, 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 la. No, I'm not, I'm not an improver, Kirk. You know this of me. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, you know, it's late. Usually I'm better in the morning. I sing better in the morning. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to do it another Let's time. pause this recording. I'll see you at 8 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Let's get into our superlatives. I am on the short straw here today because Cam gets to go first. Whatever he picks, I cannot duplicate. It's over for you. I am done. I am done. I know he's going to pick all my You're favorites cooked. here. And we're going to start with, and the Oscar goes to, who was the best performance in Mean Girls, parentheses, the musical. <laughs> 
parentheses 2024 double parentheses (laughs) um i am gonna go with an actor who i've been following her career for a while now she's been in some films that i really really love like the nice guys which is one of my top four favorites on letterboxd and of course the uh the spider-man the tom holland spider-man trilogy miss angry rice uh I, like I said, I've, I've seen a ton of her performances from early in her career, young Australian actress. She has got a boatload of talent, an unbelievable amount of talent, and I didn't even know that singing was really a part of that. She sang a little bit in a couple of things that I've seen, but just kind of like here and there, I didn't even know that she was a uh, someone with, with musical ability, but man, she brings it in this movie. I feel like it's not a perfect performance, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good performance, um, and you can sense the talent gap between her and some of the others in this cast. Like it really is sort of like palpable. There's like sort of a two tiered structure in this cast where it's like, here's tier a of people. And there's maybe a couple people on that list and everybody else is like miles below. I mean, it's like, it really, truly, you can feel it. Uh, but she had a really good performance as Katie. This is a different, they've written. This as a very different version of Katie Heron. Um, Versus if you were comparing it to the Lindsay Lohan version back from 2004. I don't like this version as much because I don't feel like it's as dynamic, you know. And Mm. so some of the choices that the character makes feel inconsistent. That said, no knock on Angry Rice's performance because I thought she was great. I thought her vocals were stellar. I thought she did exactly what she needed to do to try to make this movie as successful as humanly possible. Um I've not really seen her in a leading role capacity before. This is really the first time um, that I've seen her be leading lady. And I thought she owned it and I thought she did a great job. I mean, for me, and it may be just, just his appearance in this movie, but I have to say, like, I'm getting shades of young Amy Adams. Oh. Um, which is like, if you know me, extremely high praise. I think Amy Adams is one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, certainly yeah. one of the greatest still doing it. Um so I don't know. I was getting vibes. I was getting like enchanted era Amy Adams vibes in this film. So we'll see. She's obviously got a lot of talent. She's got a long way to go in her career. And I think she's going to do some really great stuff. That's a great comparison to Amy Adams. I really, I really dig that and see that. And not just because she has a tint of red in her hair, particularly in this movie. Uh, I, I love all of that. I really do. It's the range, man. She's it, got range. It is the range. It's the brightness. It's the innocence. But then there's like, she can turn on a dime and show you like this dark side. Yeah, that's why I wish they wrote this character again, like more dynamically. I think yeah. the, the character from the original movie just is better written. Yeah, I like it's, it. It's a shame. Well, I am thankfully safe for this first superlative. <laughs> I went with Renee Rapp. Oh, good choice. Who plays... Regina George. <laughs> she is of Broadway fame. She came right out of the, what's called the Jimmy Awards, which is the High School Musical Awards. Literally, if you've never heard of that, High School Musical Awards. They put on these giant, this giant showcase of the top talent, and it's a big deal in the musical community. If you ever want to see your favorite Broadway artists or um, now film artists back in the day when they were on, again, the Jimmy Awards, it's all <laughs> over TikTok, all over YouTube. You can find every performance uh she is fantastic she was on uh she was cast in this role i don't know if she was the immediate takeover for um st louis native taylor louderman who originated the role of uh regina george but she is definitely who was the most recent one uh pre-covid and covid shut this production down and she was excellent uh she's there's a broadway recording cast album of her i just thought that 
if you want to talk about command of character in every single beat of the film, that was Renee. Um, she she just was locked in. It helped that she got to spend so much time with this character. Obviously, she's had that that luxury of knowing the ins and outs, being on stage eight days a week with her, uh, with Regina as Regina, and that really really paid off. There were moments, there were acting choices in this film, particularly when she's t- chatting with her mom, who was played by Busy Phillips. Which holy cow, the resemblance is it's crazy. Crazy <laughs> where. Norm, uh, a normal actor would maybe be like would be like annoyed, but in in a moment of uh, conflict with her mom, she's smiling at her, but like uh, speaking daggers while she <laughs> smiles. I just found that that acting choice in particular, and several others throughout this were very uh, enchanting, very mesmerizing, very powerful, and very unique. So Renee Rapp, you get it for me. I like that pick. I thought she was really good, and yeah, the Busy Phillips thing. Like, <laughs> shout out casting director. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nailed it. All oh, right. We need to do more, don't we? More superlatives. We do, today. Kurt. There's still more to talk about. <laughs> End of episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the next superlative, we're going to talk about our scene stealer. Who stole the show? We have our best actor, but who also caught your eye, Cam? Yeah, I almost went with Busy Phillips on this one because I think she's fantastic, but I think there there was one person in particular that I felt like I had to give flowers to in this movie, and that is Mr. Jaquel Spivey, who nice. plays Damien, um, who in both the original film and this musical uh, adaptation, remake, whatever, <laughs> uh, is just uh, a hilarious comedic anchor of the film and man did did he accomplish that with just the best marks possible i mean he was hilarious he was one of the characters i felt like was really well written in this movie it felt like there was definitely some improv going on felt like this is a guy who's just funny yes and just understands how to take a joke and optimize it to its fullest potential with timing, with delivery, with uh, whatever. I mean, inflection. I mean, he's got it all going. Lovely singing voice also. Um, I really loved this version of Damien. I feel like in the um, musical, the Damien and Janice roles, while, while fantastic in the original, they kind of reach, they, they, they change a little bit to be, different versions of those characters, like more um, exciting, less like humdrum-ish versions of those characters. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they they get amplified so much. And so you get to do really fun things with it. And I thought uh, Jaquel Spivey in this role uh, just really owned it and did an amazing job. And I was... Every time he came on the screen, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. What what hilarious gut-busting thing is he going to say? Or, like, what note is he going to hit that's just going to knock my socks off? He was a, a true scene stealer in every sense of the word. Yeah. And bravo to him because they, so as I understand from the soundtrack, they actually cut some of Damien's songs or solos or whatnot. And with this one, I felt like it didn't suffer because what we found was the balance of Janice and Damien was still very strong. In fact, I feel that Damien and Janice had a a stronger balance in this than the original movie because in the original movie and on the musical, I'm I'm looking at Janice the whole time. Um, she's she's just got a stronger character. This one was two for two. Like they're on the same level of energy and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. All right, my scene stealer. I'm gonna butcher this name. I need your help, Cam. I will um, try my best. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Janice, it goes to 
the the number one Disney princess, yes, Moana. Moana. <laughs> How do you say that her name? Auli'i Cravayo. Perfect. Believe, I believe. Whenever I say her name, the rest of this episode, can you just <laughs> clip your voice yeah. saying it? <laughs> I'll just crudely paste it in. It'll be <laughs> like whenever you hear a recorded message. <laughs> my, here we go. My <laughs> scene stealer goes to. Auli'i Caravaggio. Because I was just enamored with how she took on this character. The stage version of this character is just as bold as you remember uh, from the original. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's powerful. Some Actually, my favorite songs come from Janice's character, uh, with the exception of The Earworm, My Name is Regina George. They, It's just really, really wonderful. I'm a little upset with how... I'll talk, in the, I'll talk in the director's shoes. I'm a little upset with how they took my favorite song with the direction of it, but mm. she still sang the, just the, the butt. Out of, I don't know if that's yes, a phrase. Absolutely. The butt. She sang, sang the, the butt, butt right out of that out of song. Totally. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> the butt. Um, I, I really enjoyed just the, the crazy makeup that they put her in throughout was just bonkers, but she's supposed to be this very, they just really amplified how artistic she was and just didn't care and was her own person and, and who she wanted to be. I loved exactly every beat that we got of her as well. And man, I mean, I knew Moana could sing in in the, uh, in the in the musical, in Moana, in Disney, but seeing her now, more grown up, maybe she's like 19 now, I don't know, she was pretty yeah, young when that premiered, but seeing her now and just even just like dominating this role was just so impressive to me. And in fact, I think it wasn't until the final like 15 minutes of the film where I was like, wait a second. I know that voice. Yeah, dude. See the light as it shines in the sea. <laughs> and it just kind of connected for me. So that's my scene stealer today. What what a voice indeed. Maybe maybe the best raw vocal talent in this whole cast. I mean, you could you could make an argument for it. I mean, she's she's I think her really her and Renee are just like Yeah, yeah, that's probably battling, right? Yeah, right? Very very good. So yeah, she, it was really nice to see her uh you know, in live action. I don't know that I ever have before. And uh Really just owning this role, like you said. Very right, good. Right. Well, let's take a quick break because the only way we can do this here with video, with audio, with you, our fans, is through our premier and title sponsor, St. Louis area, Smoothie Kings. They are so delicious. Cam and I are are both on a Smoothie King kick. We're doing everything we can to get over to these locations as much as possible and to devour the meal replacements and sometimes the sweet treats that the smoothies offer. But even if you're getting a sweet treat, it's a much better alternative to the other stuff you're eating. Uh, one of my absolute favorites that I go to is the Power Meal, cinnamon and banana, 20 ounce, uh, because I am a, a light eater and I get too cold if I go to 32 ounces, Cam. Oh, you get the brain freezes. I do. I really do. I get it after like uh, a quarter of an ounce. You I just pace start yourself, to, man. I, I crashed my car because <laughs> I've, I've drank it. I've drank it too fast because it's too good. The smoothie is too good. Is, yeah. And so then I suffer for it. But alas, I don't make Smoothie King pay for my car crashing. That's my own problem because I have problems. That's so true. I'm just super thankful that they're, that they're everywhere. I'm thankful for the options for additives. So when uh, I'm pretty much a routine guy, so, I, you know, kind of like people are coffee people. They have their same drink over and over. You can get your smoothie and, and roll up and spout it out. Like, and they're, they're just so excited to help you. Uh, what's your latest smoothie that you're on, Cam? Well, I love, I mean, I, I also love the Power Meal smoothies. I love the Angel Food Slim. That's sort of oh. my classic. That's the that's the go-to kind of, you know, low in calories, 
but delicious. I mean, just like your straight up good old fashioned strawberry banana smoothie. It's delicious. And speaking of additives, that is the perfect smoothie to add things to because it's just like it's kind of a perfect base. I like to throw in peanut butter. I like to throw in some sort of leafy green, usually kale or spinach. And like you said, it's like make it for your day. And so sometimes I'm like, hey, the kid's been sneezing a lot lately. I'm not throwing mm-hmm. some immune boost. I'm going to throw in a multivitamin. <laughs> um, and, and that's the great thing about it is that you can just cater it to whatever's happening in your life to fit your schedule. Super convenient. You know what also is great about the green additives, the greeny leaves that you can add? You don't taste them. Nope. Like, it's not like you're sitting there and you, you add spinach on your plate and you're like, oh, my gosh, I really yeah. don't want to eat this. I don't want to be crunchy and get kale for dinner. No, like, you add it, you don't even taste it, and you are getting healthy options at uh, no risk to your palate. Yeah, so stop choking down uh, these disgusting green supplements that people... Gah. Oh, man, I've tried it. It's terrible. Instead, go to Smoothie King. Pick whatever smoothie you want and then throw some spinach in there. Throw some kale in there. You won't taste it. You'll get all the nutritional benefit. It's delicious. Whole fruits, organic veggies, no syrups, no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. Check out 660 Carlisle Avenue in Belleville or 3401 Namioki Road in Granite City. Get your smoothie today and rule the day. Yes. And we're back, Cam. Just like that. We're going to talk about our showstopper next. The showstopper goes into what is the production value that really caught your eye. Uh, It could be a particular scene. It could be a particular moment. Uh, I like to think a lot of uh, this, if we were doing TV shows, it would be the succession moment where Matthew McFadden, who's on a, a, a... an amazing run of winning awards left yes. and right right now where he well tells served. Shiv, yeah, I think you are incapable of love. It could be <laughs> moments like that. I think you're capable of love, Cam, so tell us what your showstopper moment is. Yeah, the one the one thing about this movie that I felt, there, there's one scene in this movie in particular that really represents what this, what this whole thing is at its absolute best, and that's the Halloween party scene. Yes. The iconic Halloween party. You've seen the original movie, Katie shows up as a spooky vampire instead of like a sexy character. She totally missed the memo on that. There's lots of drama that happens. And the party is this movie at its peak because first of all, they get out of that school and and so much of this movie takes place in the school and with it having so many musical numbers, it gets to feel really, um, uh, to pardon the pun, one note. It starts. Yeah. It starts. To, <laughs> I had to like. I was trying to like swallow that back down, but I couldn't. <laughs> we we need a little. What do you call it? Uh, uh, the drum. What do you? Yeah, what do you call a that? rim shot. A rim shot. <laughs> I know that was bad. That was really bad. Um, so when you get out to this Halloween party and there's so much going on, you're just like, okay new textures, new dynamic. It just feels a little bit better. Uh, the directing choices were better. The The acting was a little bit more dynamic because there's lots of scene partners kind of sharing time. It just felt better. And then the musical numbers that are in it, they went bold. They went loud. They went, uh, they didn't care. They were just like uninhibited, which I liked. They were like, let's make this like a super glam music, like music video yeah. instead of, a high school musical like number. And that to me was like, this is what you should be going for the whole way. Mm-hmm. This is, you should be looking at it and thinking, what's the craziest, most eye popping way we could do this? Not, you know, what makes sense because it is a musical musicals inherently have a bit of absurdity laced into them because yes. it's like you have to convince the audience that these people are b- breaking into song at all times. And this 
whole story and and this whole uh, the source material lends itself to absurdity. So just lean into it. Be mm-hmm. uninhibited. Be bold. And I felt like in the Halloween party scene, they did that. And uh, I wish they would have done it more places, but it there it was just pitch perfect. I loved it. Yeah, I'm mad at you because that was my show stop. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> now I have to recount this movie and figure out what my showstopper is going to be. Um... Uh, uh, the oh man, I destroyed you. Uh, I mean, it's very clear that that is the best moment. Yeah. Um, and if you're watching, <laughs> if you're watching on on YouTube, there's a specific dance move that people are making fun of online, where the characters do this kind of this kind of shaky move with their whole body. They oh kinda, my! They kind of dance down and they kind of shake and they get up and they turn and they kind of shake and bounce and. It is a little jarring, <laughs> but it does make sense in that scene. So shout out to all the haters. It's better than you think. Um, Don't judge it out of context. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I guess my showstopper would have to go to just really pulling this out of my 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 rear end here. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with uh, Tim Meadows. <laughs> Tim Meadows. Yes, Kirk. Elaborate. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Tim Meadows and Tina Fey reprised their roles, uh, they, they are, which are more minimal than they were in the original. Yes. Um, but it was funny that Tim Meadows, who I believe actually broke his hand before the start of filming in the original. And oh, they, funny. And they just kept it in, uh, Is does have a broken hand in this film. Uh, but they don't really reference it. I think he uses it to like hit someone at one point, like just gently or taps on something. Um, but I, there was a, there were a couple of good Tim Meadows moments. Um, everything that you love about him came back to life. And I, I thought that was, that was well done. Great Kirk. <laughs> I believe that. I really believe, <laughs> I really believe that it shows how much confidence you have in this film. That yeah. You were able to, uh, narrowed down from such a lengthy <laughs> list of things that you really loved about it to from, get to that one. From the two-hour film, yeah. <laughs> Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows, ladies and gentlemen, I love it. And the broken arm. <laughs> Let's move on with our director's shoes. Uh, I'd like to talk about what your moments of the film, what the elements of the film, Cam, that you would change, that would make this better, what they missed, how they missed the mark. Yeah, I, I, I think... In general, I, I alluded to the tone, so I won't really touch on that again, like the, the how they should have gone a little bit more absurd with it and been less reserved because I felt like the writing just wasn't as dynamic and as the original, etc. The biggest thing is it looked terrible. I think the movie looked bad. I think production design, I, I, every technical aspect of the film that comes down like that that contributes to the visual aesthetic of the film was poorly done i mean we're talking lighting we're talking hair and makeup we're talking at times costuming though that one doesn't stick out immediately to me um certainly cinematography holy mackerel (laughs) um so i i guess in general the visuals of this movie were were frankly just like unacceptably bad i i think and i don't want to like go down this road of like dragging the people who made this film because that's not overly productive. But the two there are two directors on this film, Samantha Jane and Arturo Perez Jr. And both are a little greener in terms of their resume and experience. And it showed big time. I I, th- I just think there wasn't 
much of a game plan going into how do we want this to look? How do we want it to feel? There was inconsistency and the things that were consistent were consistently bad. So it's a mess. It will actually, it, it will stick out to you. It really will. It, it, in the worst possible way, you're going to feel like, why does this feel weird? Why does it look uh, clunky? Why does it look awkward? Uh, it's because of that. So that just the visual aesthetic in general, I thought was just really not very inspired and, and, frankly just poorly done yeah i mean not that young people can do good things but like these two are babies these directors oh are they especially uh samantha jane i mean i feel like i'm looking at a 16 year old girl who i knew it was like got the keys to the kingdom uh, they're most of like when i was looking back at things they had done it was like shorts and music videos and things like yeah. that. yeah which is fine you have to start somewhere you do right you have to start somewhere but i think in this particular instance they're they it, this movie was a bit too big for their britches yeah for sure like how do you get this property this ip who who do they know yeah <laughs> who do they know <laughs> how did this work out yeah shocking very shocking um my director's shoes I, I have a i had a big issue with katie's rise to becoming a plastic it was so abrupt there was no like in the original of course you have to compare in the original there's a gradual change like every other scene you see her wear a little bit more makeup you see her hair done a little bit more than it was the day before she's suddenly wearing those high heels she's suddenly only wearing uh skirts like all the things that that didn't add up there was a clear moment a clear break in this film where it was i'm katie heron now i'm katie heron the plastic <laughs> and there was no there no gradual build which i didn't understand that at all i kept waiting for it to keep gradually changing um <laughs> cam leaned over to me during the movie and said why are there so many close-ups? <laughs> so the cinematography had so so many issues. There was one scene in particular, one shot in particular, where we see <laughs> a- Angry and that she has like a steady cam mounted to her shoulders, and you are looking at her from underneath her chin, six inches away. Literally six is, inches away. It is worse than the Blair Witch Project. I, I kid you not. I could see everything. I saw her brain through her nostrils. <laughs> it was the ugliest shot I've ever seen. She's beautiful. I'm just talking about the picture itself. Awful. Just it's a awful. terrible shot. <laughs> I, I blame the directors so hard on, on that particular shot and the product placement. I mean, shout out to Cheetos, the new flip phone, and the Elf lip gloss. Those were all over the place. It was so apparent that that is how this movie got made. It, it was like watching, uh, like watching an after TV special, like those things back in the the, the late eighties. How how those happened all the time with like Rob Lowe, and everything. It was so apparent that they wanted those things to be front and center. It was so annoying. So yeah, those are my director's shoes. Yeah, there's and there's more to be honest. Yeah, there's but a long there's, list. There's, it's <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a mess from like a movie making standpoint it, it's got some issues mm-hmm. okay well what about our final score final yes. thoughts and score cam this is hard yeah it always is it, it always is it always is because it's scoring movies inherently is hard it's crazy it's I have, a crazy thing to do but i love to do it it's yeah fun. i have a nightmare that one day one of these big stars will <laughs> That's in these movies. <laughs> that, that particular movie was like kind of like how Zachary Levi is like a big fan of Shazam Two. Like he yeah, won't, he won't back down from it. Sure. And we we roasted that movie, of course. And I, if he ever came up to me, I would feel 
sad because it's not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's how I feel. I'm like, ugh. Not me, because I feel like anything that I say here, uh, I would say to their face, and that includes thing, inflammatory things I've said about Jared Leto. <laughs> I, I would say... <laughs> I would say to his face because I do not like him. Um, but yeah, I feel like I try to, I try to stay honest. And if you're being honest, I think, you know, it is what it is. Excellent. So don't live in fear, Kirk. It's going to be okay. Let's light some fires. Let's go. Uh, final thoughts and scores. I think the, the most accurate and also the saddest thing that I can say about this movie is that it's exactly what you think it is, which is a worse version of mean girls. It, it's, it is exactly that. Like, you probably look at the trailer and you go, that looks like a worse version of Mean Girls. And then, and then to that, I would say it is in almost every possible imaginable way. I think the there are good parts of it because the music is really good. Uh, we, you, you and I saw this musical on stage in here in St. Louis, and uh, it was great. We had a great time. Good show. I think it does a lot better as a stage show. It, this this transition to the screen just did not go well for this musical. I don't even know if it would have gone well under an experienced hand. I just, I, I, I don't see the potential there. I think this felt like a money grab. Um, and I think that everything they tried to do to justify its existence with like, Hey, let's uh, target this towards Gen Z, which a, a remarkable uh, 60% of viewers were under the age of 25 years old. Um, everything they did to target that particular um, demographic was forced and and just bad, uh, poorly written. Uh, it, it just did not work. I thought the, you know, Tina Fey is is Tina Fey. She's a legend. She's a great comedy writer. She can't write as well for this new generation. It just felt yeah. It didn't feel authentic and genuine in any in any way. So I think it really struggles. The musical numbers were good. I thought the vocals were good. There are some good performances. There are some really bad performances. Um, it, it's not a horrible thing to watch. It, you know, it's it's that's where I really struggle with this movie. But it does a lot of things very wrong. Um, it gets by because the original source material is so good mm-hmm. that there's only so bad you can make it. Yeah. To be honest, there's That's only true. so bad. But this is like if you tried to make a clueless musical for my generation. Ooh, it just yeah. it just wouldn't work, yeah. you know? Because that movie never really resonated with me mm-hmm. in the same way that it did with people who were a little bit older than me. Um, so all of that is to say, this is definitely a worse version of Mean Girls. This is not at all a, a good homage to the original 2004 film and should not have been made. I'm giving it a 3.8 out of 10 kernels. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good score. That's a good score for this film. Um, what to say about Mean Girls music note in the A? <laughs> I don't remember where they put yes, the music note. Yes, in the note. A. In the music note in the A, parentheses, the musical, parentheses, <laughs> 2024, <laughs> end parentheses. Uh, what, have we, what have we not said? I, I just think that when they try to, in this film, punch up the original source material, like even the Glenn Coco moment is lackluster. Yeah, it falls flat. You're right. Yeah, uh, there's a really funny scene that you saw in the trailer of Jaquel saying, uh, like they're in French class, and he says Beyonce, <laughs> but it's not funny when you've already seen it six hundred times yeah. from the trailer because it would have been good as a surprise joke, but not in the movie joke. I, I just there were so many misfires here for Mean Girls that 
it's very upsetting. Um, I'm not like a diehard Mean Girls OG fan, but if it's on, it's staying on, you know? If it's on TBS for the thousandth time, it's going to stay on in the background. This movie, I feel like you could turn on in the background while you work from home. If you need some background noise, um, it's going to be, you're going to lift your head a little bit less, but but it it will be there for you. That's brutal. If you need some (laughs) background noise, this is this is the movie for you uh and then maybe make a spotify playlist of all of renee rap songs from the soundtrack because she kills she absolutely kills it i am close with cam on this uh there's a couple of performances that i really enjoy so i'm just above you at a 4.2 out of 10 kernels all right you're in the fours i'm in the threes yeah that's how history will see it from here on out forever and everyone (laughs) will look to us to say should I watch that movie and pay attention <laughs> or just turn it on in the background while I eat my barbecue chips? Yeah, we may be in, my, in the minority on that. I, I, I mean, cinema score is a pretty convoluted uh, uh, grading. It's, it's not like you can't really use it to identify if something is good or not, but it did get a B plus, which is not terrible. Hey, that's not bad. So, you know, there was uh, a recent actor. It was on Conan O'Brien's podcast because I listen to that every chance I can. Um, and this actually wasn't a recent episode. It was probably from 2021. But, but the actor who came on, whoever it was, great sourcing that I'm doing right here, by the way. Love it. Whoever it was said, I can only I can only enhance a character based on the script. So if the script has a C rating, mm-hmm. I cannot get that character to an A+. Absolutely. But if the script has a B+, you, I can guarantee to you an a minus uh acting performance so the the material is so critical it's so critical and the baseline for these actors and crew unfortunately just wasn't there i agree i think it all starts with the script i think it all starts with the direction and both were a misfire on this one yeah and for as young as these directors are discovering this now while we record it is absolutely baffling the there are scenes in here that reflect social media and I felt like I was watching my grandparents try to tell you what social media looks <laughs> yeah, like today. Yeah, did, that did not help their case at all. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Well, we'll dump on Mean Girls anytime in public if you want to <laughs> chat with us. You can chat with us on, again, Discord. Tell us what you like. Uh, tell us on Facebook. Tell us on Twitter. Tell us on or X. So what else is there? What else do we have, Cameron? I think a couple things. If you missed our last episode uh, and you're a YouTube viewer, that's because due to technical issues with StreamYard, we were not able to put it on YouTube. So it is on the podcast feed. You can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. The other thing is our new segment, Kirk's Animation Station, that we have been uh talking about for a long time is is coming which fits on it fits better into a what's popping episode so yeah. we're going to hit you with that next time or maybe and i should pitch this to kirk we just make this a running gag where <laughs> every time we say we're going to do it <laughs> we never do it but no we are going to do it we are going to do it it's kind of like or are we it's uh, <laughs> It's kind of like uh, the SNL skit with Keenan. What's up with that? He brings yeah. on these. <laughs> Leslie, uh, uh, or what's his name? Uh, <laughs> is it? Yeah, what is the Lindsay guy's? Buckingham. That's who it is. Lindsay it's Buckingham. Bill Hader. <laughs> and he never, t- he never gets to talk to him. They start, they bring Robert De Niro on <laughs> and they bring Al Pacino yeah. and they bring a president, a sitting president. And he's like, they're about to talk. And all of a sudden, what's oh, shoot. Let's talk about teachers. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. No, we're, we're waiting on the Amazon. Uh, I'm, li- I'm waiting on a whistle, like a train whistle and yeah we're gonna get you hooked up we'll get you a conductor's hat yeah we got time Um, we got time yeah it'll it'll happen 
It'll happen. That's all we got. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Big shout out to our incredible title sponsor, Smoothie King, Area, Area Smoothie King, St. Louis. Big shout out to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and the band Rhetoric. We appreciate you all, and we'll see you at the movies. Peace. Peace.